Hello and ho ho ho! Welcome to American. No. Ho ho ho! <laughs> ho! What a Christmas, Jay Poe. <laughs> ho. Hello, ho ho, and welcome to Roman Empress Hotelus Rankium. I am Jamie, and I am Rob. Ranking all of the Roman emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. That is a fantastic Santa impression. Well done. Yeah, was that good? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah I believed it. Yeah, it's good. Were you there? Were you in the moment? I was in the moment. It helps you sat on my lap right now. It does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> After that's a lovely surprise. Romanos 2. Romanos 2. After yeah. Romanos 1. Well, after actually, after Stephen 1. After Constantine 7, the Purple Born. Y- that's what I said, yeah. That's who we did last. What? We did Stephen and then we did Constantine 7. Did we? Yeah. I haven't got anything written down. You sure? <laughs> did you stop making notes? <laughs> Apparently so. Oh, no, there he is. Just Stephen seemed was so small. Yeah, yeah. No, there he, we go. He was a short one. He was. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm now up to speed. <laughs> Good. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. As you may have guessed, listener, it's our Christmas special. Ho, ho! Which I don't think we had a oh. Roman Christmas special last year. I think it fell on an American episode, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, so... But right. like we always say, or like you always say... Well, yeah, it's the same every year. Just imagine everyone in a hat. A Christmas hat. And if you want it a bit more risque, just a Christmas hat. Uh, <laughs> that is what we're currently wearing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, we genuinely are wearing Christmas hats. Yeah. Uh, we'll actually take a photo and prove it because we actually are. It's very festive. They'll, they'll probably come off quite soon because it's the itchy and polyester. I'm, I'm like tight as well. I'm liking the sequins on it. Though. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a classy hat. It's a very classy. Where did you get these from? Uh, Becky. <laughs> she just my came wife home, home with yeah. them one night. No, no, yeah. no I, I thoroughly approve. Oh, good. Right, okay. So, are you ready for Romanos two? You said it'd be a short episode. It's not like a short, short episode. It's just no. not a really long one. So, okay. we have time for a couple of comments at the end. Oh, okay. To. But Romanos two. So, if you remember, Constantine seven, the Purple Born, died last episode. He's well dead. Yep. He is. Yeah. Uh, perhaps by poison, and perhaps by his son. Romanos 2. <gasps> That's who we're doing today. That's who we're doing today. So wow. let's find out, okay? Twist. Here we go. He was born in 938. He was the son of Constantine 7, the Purple Born, who, remember, was son of Leo the Wise. Yeah. And also Helena, who was the daughter of Romanos 1. So both of Romanos's grandfathers were emperors, as was his father. He's got good, good empress stock in him good genes yeah levi's maybe he's just a pair of roman jeans filled with emperor stock (laughs) (laughs) filled with purple yeah it's it's not it's not pleasant but that's what he is no yeah yeah. he's well royal as they say in royal circles he's well royal he was named romanos after his grandfather perhaps this was to please romanos one uh, perhaps this was a move by Helena and Constantine to get Romanos to favour them over Helena's brothers. Remember, Helena's brothers Stephen and other Constantine tried to coup. Oh, yeah. Succeeded cooing, and then were cooed right back in the face. <laughs> they were they were cooed right to the island, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, but that happens in the future, because right now, Romanos 2's 
a little boy, and we have very little detail on his childhood. He would have been well-educated, obviously, um, but we don't really know any details. Uh, we don't even know if he was marginalised by Romanos as his father was. Sort of power stripped away. Yeah, well, he's only a, diminished. He's, he's a baby. He wouldn't have had any power anyway. But, I mean, well. we don't know whether Grandfather Romanos took little Romanos under his wing or little Romanos stayed in the part of the palace with his father and mother. We just don't know. Yeah. Both could have happened. Uh, what we do know is that at the age of six, little Romanos was betrothed by his grandfather to the illegitimate daughter of King Hugh of Arles. Illegitimate? Illegitimate daughter. That's not... not a... It's not legitimate, that's what it's not. Because if you're a Roman, you think, what? But that's not a real person, so... <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, yeah, no, they're not I do good know what you stock. Mean. I'd see that as an insult. Yeah, no, I did think this, and I tried to look into it. Uh, why is the son and grandson of Eastern emperors marrying into a king in the West through an illegitimate daughter? I couldn't really find out the exact reason. I can only assume everyone thought Hugh was going places. But yeah. He okay. was going to be huge, they would Hooray. say, and then they'd chuckle a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And tut. Yeah, long winter nights back then. Hugh, Hugh of Italy. A tiny bit of background on him. In fact, not really much. He acted as the regent when the Holy Roman Emperor of the time, Emperor Louis, Louis the Blind, uh, was blinded. So Hugh oh. came and acted as regent. So he was still king? Oh, sort of. Uh, then he... Um, progresses in life, shall we say. He grew um, his eyes back. No, no, Hugh's not blinded. Louis was. Oh. Yeah. Who's Louis? The Holy Roman Emperor at the time. Ah, okay. Yeah. So he was the Holy Roman Emperor, but he was blind. Yeah. How is he blinded? I just read blinded. But don't worry, if we do Holy Roman Emperors, let's say us, we, we will be doing Louis the Blind and we'll find out. Because obviously if it's like a disease or something, that, you know, natural. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't natural. So it was like an attempted coup? Yeah, things things are not stable in the West right okay. now. I mean, it is too complex to go into right now. I did think, how shall I cover this? Should I go out for it in any detail and realise that it would take a long time to cover? And if we're doing it in series three, yeah, yeah. we'd do it then. All and you, you thought, need to know... Jamie never asks questions, I'm sure it'll be fine. I, I thought this part would go quite smoothly, to be yeah. honest. I, I'm, I'm regretting not looking into more detail. <laughs> uh, but it's fine. What I do have is one tiny little story, just to whet your appetite. Um, Hugh got married several times, uh, and during his second wedding there was an attempted coup. So oh. during the wedding, he had to run away by using a rope and a bathroom window. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is fantastic. Why would there be a rope in the bathroom? Uh, I don't know. Just for tricky movements. Yeah. Heave! <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's one of It's like a rope pull to flush. <laughs> oh, maybe, yes. Maybe it's one of them. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, maybe we'll come back to this story in the future. Sounds fun. All we need to know now, though, is that Hugh is a rising power in the West, and he has a daughter. And he also manages to secure a marriage alliance between his illegitimate daughter, called Bertha, and Romanos okay. too. Mm. Now, the connection between the royal families would have served both royal families well. Uh, they both would have gained from this, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, the marriage took place between the two children. As far as we can tell, Bertha is roughly the same age as Romanos too. We know it took place because Bertha changed her name to the more traditional-sounding Eudocia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but within a year, Hugh had lost a battle with a different Holy Roman Emperor. 
like I say, things get messy. Yeah. Um, and he loses power. And then a couple of years after that, he dies. Oh. Hugh is dead. Uh, so the alliance goes nowhere, really. Um, I couldn't even find out whether Bertha slash Eudocia moved to Constantinople or not. Just the um, story ends for her. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, not quite. We know one more thing. Oh. Uh, she dies shortly after that. Okay. Yeah. It's unlikely Romanos would have really had anything to do with his wife. I mean, they're both under the age of ten. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. That's his first marriage. Not a success. It's betrothal, is it? It wasn't a marriage. Oh, no, no. Apparently they... Oh, they're actually... It's not 100% clear, and I tried to make sure I was definitely getting yeah. this right, but as far as I can tell, they did get married. That's the uh, The name took place. But maybe the name change was just a sign of the betrothal. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was. Anyway, while all this is going on, the coup that we covered in the last couple of episodes took place. Stephen and other Constantine cooed and then monked their father, and then Constantine Seven coos and monks them back. Yeah. Romanos too suddenly found himself the sole heir, and his father wanted to make sure it stayed that way. So in 945, Romanos II, aged around seven, was named co-emperor. The next we know of Romanos is when his wife dies. So like I say, she didn't last long. Yeah. This is in 949. Romanus is around 11 at the time. Now, considering Hugh was dead, this is probably a relief for Constantine Seven and Helena, because uh, now they could marry their son off to someone more useful, oh. instead of the illegitimate daughter of a dead king with no power. I really hope Bertha died a natural death, because it seems all very convenient that she it, suddenly it, dies, yeah. and that would be grim. Yeah, it, it's... Probably likely. I don't know. Women tend to live more, though, didn't they? Because they've seen as a threat. You just nun them and yeah, send them yeah. off. Yeah, no, you're right. She probably would have been nunned otherwise. The The marriage wasn't consummated, so it would have been fairly easy to get rid of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, word goes out to King Otto. He's around, if you remember. I he sounds last so time. cool. Yeah, Otto, Otto the Great. Dude. Ot He's not known as Otto the Great yet. He's certainly not known as the Holy Roman Emperor yet. Otto the Dude. He's gaining in power, though. And um, Constantine Seven and Helena can't help but wonder whether Otto has a niece, maybe, going spare. Maybe that alliance would be better. Yeah. Meanwhile, Romanos was growing up. And he was growing up to be what many imperial princes grow up to be. Spoilt. Oh yes, a fun-loving spoilt child. He no. was now old enough to spend all his time hunting or playing polo or partying with his friends. That's what he loved to do. That sounds... That's what I would do. Well, yeah. No, I'm, I'm all with him. I Essentially am. infinite wealth, whatever I want, whenever I want it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Might as well enjoy myself. Yeah. Yeah. You only get one go on the ride. Yes. Yes. So it probably comes very sudden, sharp end. <laughs> yes. Right, well, I mean, saying this, however, according to uh, our main source for this week, Leo the Deacon, Romanos II was, and I quote, a good man of pleasing countenance and speech, distinguished in appearance, and filled with every sort of noble virtue. Rubbish. <laughs> However, he did like to party a bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, you can just imagine, like, is it Leo just writing that down, finish the last word, full stop. Silly Romanus 2 walks in, chug and wine head. in hand, yeah. <laughs> Vomit all over the floor. DK! <laughs> stop writing that drivel. Come on, party. Go on. Leo the Deacon looks down and just finishes off the, uh, the U and the E in fancy writing and virtue. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Romanos basically manages to get through his teenage years having fun. Uh, he becomes a bit more pushy, however, it would appear, because by the time he was 18, he had met somebody that he wanted to marry. Ooh. Oh, yes. The approaches to King Otto had not worked out, apparently, because that goes nowhere. Um, and Constantine Seven decides to let his son marry whoever he wanted. That's unusually lenient, isn't it? Well, it's also debatable whether yeah. this happened or not. We have two accounts of who Romanos marries here. Uh, we know what her name was, though, so let's start with that. He meets someone called Anastasio who then changes her name to Theothano. And they are married. So he marries Theothano, and there you go. Husband and wife. All oh. very happy. But who Theothano was, we are less clear on. According to Skylitzes, she was the daughter to one of the most prominent families in the city. Well, that makes sense. If you're not going to get an alliance to help with foreign wars, which they were trying to do, you might as well get an alliance to help with internal politics. Daughter of a prominent family? Makes sense. Yeah. But according to Leo the Deacon, I'll quote here, She was born of an obscure family, but surpassed all the women in that time in beauty and in the grace of her body. I mean, she was hot. Totes hearty. Yeah. Yeah. And then Skylitzes himself refers to her as the daughter of an innkeeper later on in his text, contradicting what he said earlier. So it could be possible that she was just a really attractive daughter of an innkeeper who caught Romanos's eye one day. It seems more likely, however, that she was actually the daughter of a prominent family. That just makes more sense. Yeah, uh, Yeah. the whole innkeeper thing might have been written about her later to discredit her. Because as we will see, Theofano's going to be taking a leading role over the next few episodes. Uh, so wherever she came from, she either becomes a force to be reckoned with or a scapegoat to place all blame on. Um, <laughs> Things end up going well, then. We'll see. I'm not going to ruin anything, <laughs> but just, just keep an eye on her. Okay. That's all you need to do. Anyway, a couple of years pass, and Romanos too settles into his married life. It's not long before Romanos and Theofano have a son. Aww. And they name this child Basil II. Now, everyone, everyone on their dog, like my dog called Basil... Everyone is always like, oh, Basil 2 is the best in the world. Oh, I can't wait to get to his episode. It'll be so amazing. You, oh, Basil 2. You do have a slight aversion to, to emperors who are built up. I've noticed this in the past. You didn't look forward to Justinian. Um, I think Heraclius took you by surprise. I think I managed to yeah. sneak that one up to you. Yeah, you were subtle with that. Yeah, but no, you've, you've heard of Basil 2 then. Everyone keeps bringing him up, yeah. Well, I'd say after Justinian, Basil II is regarded as the best Roman emperor in the East. Well, we shall be the judges of we that. We will be the judges of that. All you need to know for now is that he is born. Oh. He is now on the scene. We're not doing him next, but he is on the scene. He's coming. Did you put a box around him? I probably should. Yeah, yeah, put a he's box. He's got a box. Good, he's got a box. Right, okay. Then, a year later, the Emperor, Constantine Seven suddenly gets ill and then dies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got no idea uh, how he dies. Apparently, there was rumours that Romanos had killed his own father so he could be in charge. Uh, there were further rumours that he had done this at the insistence of Theofano. So actually, it was her fault all along. Because blame she the woman. is the only woman in the story. Yeah. So blame her. Uh, Skylitzes writes, and I quote, Romanos, the son of Constantine, had now reached the age of maturity. 
He could not bear seeing the way which the affairs of the state were handled by his father, so he decided to get rid of him by poison. And this with the firm knowledge of his wife, the innkeeper's daughter. Oh, yeah. So... Maybe that was just used as an insult, maybe or like a mistranslation somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe she was mixing the poison, yeah. like a cocktail waiter. <gasps> yes, a shake, 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 flip. Ooh. Yeah, she's there doing all the, all the cool bits. Old-fashioned style. Ooh. Yeah, who knows? I tried to find anything else on this, and I couldn't. It would appear this is where we get it from. We get it from Skylit Seas. And, um, I don't know, there's really not much there to go on. No. It, it could have been Romanos, but considering the source doesn't say it was Romanos, it just says there was a rumour. Uh, and as we see, the, these rumours don't go away. Okay. But we'll come back to that. Uh, anyway, Constantine apparently only drank some of the poison uh, before the rest was knocked over by accident, so he survived for several weeks but then eventually dies. So, Romanos too becomes emperor. Yay. To support the idea that this was a plot by Romanos and Theophano, however, Romanos then purged the entire palace of anyone who was loyal to his father. He made a lot of changes very quickly. This includes his own mother and all his sisters. Really? Yeah, uh, Helena, his mother, was moved to a distant corner of the palace. If we believe the source, she was going to be nunned, and then she caused such a fuss that Romanos <laughs> too went, fine, you can just go and live in that corner of the palace instead then. Fair enough. Uh, his sisters, however, were nunned yeah. and led away. Again, rumours are, it was all on Theophano's insistence. But again, who knows? What we do know is that Romanos now has full control of the government. So, he decides to start his reign with a splash. It, swimming? No, not swimming. It's time to get Crete back. Oh, Crete. Again. Yeah, so there's something about in, in Constantine VII's episode. Yeah, th this will be the fifth time they've attempted to get the island Take back. It, that was it. Yeah, there's been many attempts, but yes, you're right, Constantine VII attempted it, failed. It's been out of the Empire for over 130 years at this point. Just let it go. Yeah. No, no, he's determined. He's going to do it. He's not going to do it himself, however. He's no general. He realises that. Good. Uh, however, as we did see last episode, the Empire has a couple of very talented generals who had recently come to prominence. And the one that Romanos sought out to take back Crete was none other than Nikephoros Phocus. Yeah. The nephew of Leophocus from a few episodes ago, remember? Now, Nikephoros spent a while pulling together the Eastern army and ships to transport them. Now, this invasion was going to be huge. They were going to do it right this time. The historian Norwich estimates that over 50,000 men were put together. Wow. This included, and this is very cool, Russian and Varangian mercenaries. Russian? Russian, yeah. And Varangian Vikings. Vikings! Viking mercenaries. Yes! Yeah. So oh, yeah. Over 2,000 ships carrying Greek fire were put together, uh, and they were only there to protect all the transport vessels that ferrying over all the all the troops. Oh, so the, the, oh wow, so that, that's just the shield. Yeah. Around the side. Wow. Yeah, now this was a big, serious invasion. They mean it this time. Mm. Now, Nikephros had learnt from reports from the last attempt to take the island... He was determined to hit the beaches fighting ready. Be like a D-Day style. Pretty much, yeah. Lands on, foot drops out, people run out and get destroyed by machine guns. You've pretty much got it. This is impressive. I mean, the machine wow. guns, no. Oh. But <laughs> the thousand or so transport vessels that they had all had huge giant wooden ramps on board. Nice. 
Yeah. Once they reached the island, in fact, I'll just quote here. He had the ramps set up on the beach and thus transferred the army, fully armed and mounted, from sea to dry land. So... All his soldiers got on their horses on the boats. Oh. They pulled up to the beaches. They lowered their um, ramps and just rode out onto the beach. That's cool. That is very cool. Very weird for the horses. <laughs> the um, the Cretans, or if uh, you read one translation that I've been doing, the Cretans, which uh, <laughs> I much prefer to read. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that just amused me. Uh, but yeah, the... the People who lived on Crete. Cretans, yeah. The Cretans, yeah. Uh, they were apparently astonished by the speed in which the Romans had managed to get ready to fight. And then just watched on in shock. <laughs> I mean, their, their plan was to wait till the Romans came near, wait till the Romans were disorganised trying to get off their boats, and then attack. Yeah. Makes sense. Traditional. Yeah, they've done it before. The Romans have never managed to get a foothold on the islands. This will be fine. No, oh, here they are. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I just hope the horse don't have Maldebarque syndrome. So when you've been on a boat for a while, it used to the wobbling, you get used to that. So when you get onto land, you still wobble because you still think you... Imagine the horse stuff, that would be weird. Wobbly, wet horses. But it's fine because they all brought little pans of jelly with them and got the horse to stand in jelly. Oh, jelly And hooves. the counter wobble stabilised them. There you go. Yeah. See? What a time to be alive. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so the Cretans watched this in utter bafflement, which is understandable once the jelly came out. <laughs> uh, yeah, they so were... is that strawberry? <laughs> Good God. <laughs> well, unable to take advantage of, their, uh, of the usual disarray, um, they decided to wait in battle formation and wait for the Romans to attack them. Because obviously they, they were in a superior position still. Yeah. The Romans had to get up off the beach. Yeah. However, there was a lot of Romans. Nikephros ordered the attack, and I quote, a terrible battle broke out. It was not long before the locals decided to fall back to their fortifications rather than face this force on an open field. You'd be overwhelmed, wouldn't you? So there you go. Nikephros has managed to get a foothold onto Crete. There you go. Yeah. He then ordered that his ships start patrolling the seas to make sure that they weren't surprised by any reinforcements at the rear. And then he turned to one of his most trusted officers. This was a man named Pastillus. Pastillus apparently was a man absolutely covered in scars. Nice. The reason why he was covered in scars was because he had been captured so many times, but had um. always managed to escape. <laughs> um. no, that was my reaction. <laughs> does, does this bode well? <laughs> it's like, was it cool scars or was he literally falling apart? <laughs> yes. Wooden arm. Yeah. <laughs> Nervous twitch. <laughs> Jumps at his own shadow. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's a bird, sir, don't worry. But no, no, apparently Pastillus was a, a force to be reckoned with. So let's say cool scars, let's say he's a pirate. How could he be a force to be reckoned with? He's captured every 10 seconds. He was captured, but he shrugged it off. So he's captured, that means he lost. No, because he's so, he's so hardcore. He doesn't even evade capture in the same way that whilst you're driving down a motorway, you don't swerve out of the way of the flies that hit your windscreen. It's so inconsequential to him. It's like, what's that? Oh, I've been captured. And he just keeps walking. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All you need to know is that Pistillus is in charge okay. and he's covered in scars. Right. And don't forget... Crete is a pirate island at this point. Yeah. Yes, don't forget, they're fighting pirates. The Cretans are pirates. That's quite cool. Yeah. Anyway, Nikephros gives Pastillus an order. 
First of all, go and scout the land. Go and see what you can find, what provisions Don't you can get. Don't get captured. No, no, it's not that. Well, sort of. That's probably an extra. His orders were, and I quote here, be vigilant and sober. Oh. <laughs> Have you got that, Pastillus? Sober. Let me check your bag. Look, bottle of rum. <laughs> I know we're on a pirate island, but no, no, yeah. put it away. Not doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. <laughs> Is that why he's always captured? Probably. Yes. Oh. <laughs> they just it's the opposing armies walk into the nearest bar after a hard day's fighting. As Pastillus just there, passed out next to the fireplace <laughs> with a dog licking his armpit. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much that he was captured. He'd just wander into the enemy camp asking for a drink occasionally. <laughs> yeah. We've run out. Have you got any white? Oh, <laughs> damn. Anyway. Do you think his nickname was Pistillus? Yes. Yes, I think it was. Yeah. Anyway, Pistillus takes the foraging party. This was not a small group. This was a sizable chunk of the forces they'd taken, because Nykephros didn't want them taken unawares. Pistillus leads them into the centre of the island, the land was full, and I quote here, of every sort of delicacy. Ooh. Yeah, you name a delicacy, it was there. Squid. Yeah, things made with snails. Generally, foodstuffs made of disgusting things. <laughs> yes. The... But on small bits of pastry. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, uh, seasonal produce, apparently. Juicy fruits, fat cattle and sheep. It was basically just a... A farmer's market. That's what they've walked <laughs> into. It was... It was great. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Discipline broke down quite quickly, apparently, as the troops looked around and went, wow, look at all this great food for us to eat. And then the booze was found. Ah, oh, Pastillus! <laughs> yeah. In one order! Well, by this time, the, uh, the Cretans had uh, reorganised, and they had noticed that the Roman force was somewhat distracted by all the booze. So, they attacked once more. And I'll quote... So they emerged from the thickets and the clefts, drew up their ranks into disciplined units and compact formation, and attacked. Although the Romans, in their intoxicated condition, were somewhat tipsy and unsteady on their feet, they still moved to meet the barbarians and resisted strongly. Well, you'd be, you'd be even more fighty, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, then. <laughs> no sword! I'll nut everyone here! Crack. Just lots of Roman soldiers holding each other back. Yeah. Yes. Not really sure who's going forward and who's holding someone <laughs> yeah. back. You can hear a lot of people shouting, it's not worth it, it's not worth yeah, it, yeah. Steve. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah. Steve's going for it. Oh, he really is. Yeah. Uh -huh. Anyway, Bastillus led the charge personally. <laughs> he managed to escape from a it's not worth it grab. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he was cutting down the enemy left and right when his horse was killed from under him with a javelin throw. I quote again, Pistillus, however, leapt off his horse and was able to ward off his attackers with his sword for some time, killing many. But after he had lost a lot of blood <laughs> and was stricken by many arrows, <laughs> he fainted. <laughs> tell this is a normal battle for Pistillus. Yeah. <laughs> When he fell, the Romans turned to flight and were slaughtered like cattle, so only a few escaped. He could never have done that sober. No, this is why he's covered in scars. <laughs> Just know the first two arrows hit him. Not again. Oh. <laughs> no, but apparently he, as far as I can tell, he does die. I love the fact that it just says he fainted, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably taken, he's probably captured again. Probably, yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, word gets back to Nikephoros from those that did survive. He's not happy. This was a sizable portion of the army who had gone off. They'd got drunk and ambushed. <laughs> and he'd really made it quite clear not to get drunk, but oh well, they were here now. This is what's happened. So he continues with his plan, and his plan was to move his forces to the largest city on the island. That's modern-day Heracleon. But at the time, it was called Candia, which is a nice-sounding city. It's like Candyland. Yeah. It's a lovely city. Yeah. Full of... It's Christmas episode. It was full of Christmas elves. Oh. Making candy canes. Yes. Yes. That's what oh. it was. Anyway. And the Romans slaughtered every last one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nikephoros set up a siege. He soon realised that Candia was going to be hard to take. So the humbugs on the outside. <laughs> well, sort of. The walls. Um, the, the walls, you're absolutely right. The walls were not usual walls. I mean, <laughs> well, on one side you got the sea, so obviously... It's hard to attack via the sea. Uh, but on the side they were, where the walls were, uh, they were not made of normal rock, but instead of compressed earth mixed with goat and pig hair. Like wattle and daub style. Yeah. Daub, isn't it? Because the wattle of the stick. Is it? I don't, I don't know. That that sounds right. Let's just say yes confidently, and our listeners will assume we know what we're talking about. Yes, that is a fact. Yes, it is. But that, that see, you wouldn't think that would be very strong, though. But it must be, because it's... Go on, well, tell I was, me more. Well, I was thinking exactly the same as you, uh, and reading further on into the text and trying to get my head around it, it would appear that these walls have a foundation of stone. Yeah. They're built up slightly with stone, but then they are reinforced with uh, this goat hair and compressed mud mixture. Okay. Similar to a uh, link to our American podcast, um, I was reading about when they were building houses in, in on the plains... Like in in the 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 centre of the US, they built their houses are basically mud mud houses in a very similar style, using manure, mud, and hair and straw and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... and they're still around now. They're, you know. Yeah, it, it it works surprisingly well. It does. Um, you can make a lot of wall in this way, relatively easily and cheaply. Yeah. Um, and you can make them thick as well which is uh, what the citizens of Candia have done. Because these walls were wide enough, apparently, for two wagons to ride on top of them and wow. pass each other. So this this was not... Metres wide, then. Yeah, it? this is not a thin wall. This is like thicker than a good-sized road. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, You're not getting past those walls easily. And then in front of these walls were two very deep moats and very wide moats as well. So realising he's not going to take this city easily, Nikephoros built his own fortifications circling the city. He then called all his officers together and gave a speech, which I'm not going to quote because it's quite lengthy, uh, but I'll, I'll paraphrase. The Cretans are evil, and so are all who follow their religion. Romans and Christians have been killed for generations because of them. We can beat them. Look how we managed to get on when we first arrived. But then Pastillus got drunk and we lost a battle. Yeah. Don't be like Pastillus. Please don't get wasted. All right? <laughs> that was essentially his speech. Nice. But I will quote the last bit here. Let us not waste our time in idleness and drunkenness, but acting like Romans, we will demonstrate the vigorous and brave spirit of our noble people in military conquests. So like, yay, from Jeff, and he pops open a, a champagne bottle. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Jeff. 
thoroughly believing that uh, it's fine. You know, Box fizz doesn't count. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's just that's just it's Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas. Yeah, yeah, have it have it in the morning. Yeah, with your breakfast. Yeah, twelve bottles later. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> well, apparently the, the soldiers all cheered this. They were really quite happy. Uh, the siege was on. However, Nikephros was concerned that there might still be a large number of enemy soldiers outside the city walls, still uh, ready to come and attack him from the rear. So he himself led a small scouting party and uh, looked around the local area, picking up some local guides on the way. Sure enough, they soon found a camp of around 40,000 men hiding round a nearby hill. So Nikephoros spent the night quietly surrounding this camp, and then in the thick of night, suddenly they sounded their horns, and all attacked at once, catching the Cretans unaware, and all 40,000 were slaughtered. Yay. According to Leo the Deacon, Nikephros then announced that he would give a reward of silver to every man who took a head back to camp with them. So uh, a good while was spent at dawn hacking off heads. Lovely. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. They returned to their own camp outside Candia um, the following night and spent a merry night impaling all of the heads on spikes as quietly as they could. Probably giggling to themselves whilst they did it. Yeah. See, yeah. this is it. Oh, is it Lord of the Rings or is it The Hobbit? Where he started slingshotting, catapulting the heads over we'll, the wall. We'll get to that. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, dawn arrives and those who were on guard duty on the walls of Candia saw with utter horror countless heads on spikes oh. in front of them. Not 40,000. If they had stopped to count them, they wouldn't have reached that number. Because those that weren't on spikes, you guessed it completely, were put into catapults and thrown over the walls. Splendid. Nasty. A quote, The city took on the appearance of one that had been conquered, with everyone lamenting and bewailing their loved ones. But even so, the town would not yet yield to the Romans and surrender, but confident in strength of their own town. So, they're not giving up. But Uncle Uncle Frank's head's just landed in, you know... (laughs) On Mavis's lap. She's <laughs> they literally came through the window yeah. having tea. Yeah. Brutal. Christmas elves, they're made of stern stuff. They really are. They are. You know, batting them back with giant canes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smack. Well, Nikephros then decides to attack. And uh, this is why our, our new source, Leo the Deacon, is... Uh, I'm liking Leo the Deacon, because I'll quote him here. The arrows fell like snowflakes in winter. Gently and without a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. All the children in the city rushing to the windows. Oh, look! The Tongues feet. out. Mummy! <laughs> 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 just child just falls over. Cleed in twain. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a fierce battle. Yeah. Uh, the men on the walls hur- hurled down rocks and axes, apparently, because why not? Anything they can get hold of. Fighting lasted a long time, but it soon became clear to Nikephoros that despite the lack of morale in the city, the walls would hold. He was not going to take it. They're, they're mud, aren't they? Manure and, mm. and hair. Yeah. Hose. Clever. Hose the wall, then. Well, well, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Anyway, he falls back. Oh, he it decides... rains, doesn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> well, he decides if they're going to take the city, they're going to have to prepare a lot more. So he prepares to spend winter training and building siege engines. Meanwhile, due to the absence of Nikephoros in the east, raids from the Caliphate started up again. Now, Romanos, remember, that's whose episode we're doing today, yeah. uh, hearing of this, sent Nikephoros' brother, Leophocus, 
Not the original Leo Focus. No. Yeah, but you sent this Leo Focus to go and deal with it. Go to the East, uh, make sure you're dealing with these raids. Now, it soon became clear that this was actually more than a few raids, because Scythe, Sword of the Empire, if you remember him. Yeah. In fact, I found a different translation. Scythe, Sword of Destiny. Oh. Yeah, that's even better. That's much better. Yeah. Anyway, Scythe had realised that Nykephros had left the region and left it unguarded. So he was looking to make up for some of the losses he had recently suffered. If you remember at the end of the last episode, the Romans have taken the pass into Syria. Oh, yeah. um, they made some good raids into Syria. Scythe's not happy. In fact, we've talked about Scythe for a few episodes now, and because he has a very interesting and very action-packed life, I'll be honest, I've shied away from covering his background because it would have just... He'd need a full episode. Yeah. He does a lot. And I was kind of hoping I'd be able to skirt around it a bit, but <laughs> I think we need to explain who Scythe is a little bit more here. You can just tell Romanus is absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. We will get to him again. Yeah. <laughs> we will. Right, so a very, very brief background on Scythe. Scythe was from a prominent family in the Abbasid Caliphate. This family was caught up in the civil strife that slowly tore the Abbasid Caliphate apart. Yeah. As I've said before, the Abbasid Caliphate is slowly falling away, not too dissimilar to how the Roman Empire started to fall apart. Okay. It's breaking up and bits are becoming semi-autonomous, right. and then fully autonomous. Now, Scythe, during all of this, looked to gain power, and had fought in a couple of civil wars in an attempt to control Egypt. This didn't work out as planned, but it was eventually recognised that Saif was now the Emir of Aleppo. Now, what this meant is that he controlled most of northern Syria. That's now its own emirate, semi-independent, and Saif's in control of the region that borders the empire. Right. This is why we've heard a lot about Saif recently, because he's stretching his muscles in his new land that he controls. Yeah. Now, as we have seen, he did very well taking land off the empire, Right up until last week, when Nykephros and uh, John Simises managed to fight back, Scythe was doing really well. He was deep into Anatolia, taking mm. city after city. However, the tide turned, and now that pass into Syria is in Roman hands. So now Scythe wants it back. So he takes 30,000 men through the passes and finds it practically empty. Nykephros has taken all the troops to Crete. So, Scythe's able to massacre the few men who were still there, and then heads back into Anatolia and starts taking out cities once more. Town after town falls very quickly, and their wealth is ripped out of them. And there was no sign of Leo Focus coming to the rescue, even though he'd been ordered to the region. He just didn't show up. Interesting. It was, therefore, a very pleased with himself Scythe who headed home after a few months of successful raiding. Apparently he rode at the rear of his army who were weighted down with the spoils of war. And according to Leo the Deacon, I quote, Now he was at the rear of the army, brandishing his spear, tossing it to the winds, and then retrieving it with a flourish. Sounds filthy. <laughs> so he's there on his horse, literally just like throwing his spear in the air, like casually just like a baton. Just <laughs> not a care in the world, just whistling to himself. That was a good raiding season. We're, we're minted for a while. Home time. Yeah. And it was in this way that he headed through the Tarsus Pass back into Syria. Hmm. His army were about halfway through the pass when they heard the trumpets. <laughs> Leo Focus suddenly springs out of the mountains. Ah. 
Uh, quote, everyone had his right hand on his sword, and they drew them and slaughtered on all sides their opponents, who were wearied by their march, whereas the attacking Romans were fresh. So yeah, Leo had realised he could chase Sypha around Anatolia, and then have to fight him in open battle. Or he could just wait, because eventually Sypha would have to come back through the pass. So that's what Leo did. Fair enough. And it worked. I mean, you, you, wow. those towns took a hit, but this works perfectly. Scythe's forces were almost wiped out to a man. Scythe himself just manages to escape. Now, if we can believe Leo the deacon, he escaped in the following manner. Scythe himself may have almost have been taken captive by the Romans, but being very shrewd and clever at finding a solution to difficulties, he ordered that the silver and gold that he was carrying with him be scattered in heaps on the path, and thus by diverting the attack of the Romans, who busied themselves picking up the gold, <laughs> he narrowly escaped this danger with a few of his bodyguards. Distraction. Yeah, so <laughs> Scythe and his bodyguards leg it, just throwing gold coins at the <laughs> Romans. Yeah. Just, just leave me alone! <laughs> Which is genius. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of getting out. So there we go. Huge victory. I yeah. mean, Scythe has been the the biggest problem to the Empire uh, for the last couple of decades. And this is a big victory for the Romans. Meanwhile, back in Crete, Leo Focus's brother, Nikephoros, is still attempting to take the island. He'd spent a few months training his men, and meanwhile, the people in the city of Candia had uh, recovered somewhat. It had been a harsh winter, and obviously, as we've seen many times before, it's easier to be sieged than it is to siege. Yes. So those inside the city, I mean, they were kept warm with Christmas cheer for a start. Well, that helps, yeah. Uh, the Christmas elves kept everyone entertained. Yeah. yeah. They, they were warmer, certainly. They had more provisions than the Romans. Uh, Leo the Deacon recounts a depressing tale that shows that the city was starting to taunt their sieges. Taunt? Yeah. How? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll Eating quote. big legs of ham, that sort of thing. No, like I say, Ooh, it's, delicious. It, it genuinely is quite a depressing tale. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. A rather bold and shameless prostitute, acting in a provocative and wanton manner, leaned over the battlements and pulled up her tunic more than was proper. Ooh. There's more. Exposing her naked body and cursing and mocking the general. So... A woman got up and mooned Nikephoros, basically, um, okay. is what I'm guessing here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Roman archer then shot an arrow that hit the poor woman in the chest, oh. and in shock she fell down off the wall. And again, oh. I'll quote, she was instantly crushed and breathed out her wretched soul, suffering this piteous fate as retribution for her insolence. Oh. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah, Christmas cheer and all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the battle starts properly. Now, I, I don't know if this is, like, in true The Two Towers moment where one person gets shot and then the battle starts, because that's how it reads. But who knows, maybe it was less cinematic in real life. Possibly. But let's say as soon as the poor woman hits the ground, the battle starts. Yeah, I or think so. Or cinematic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, anyway, siege engines were brought out. Uh, the battering ram was brought forward. It had a head of a ram, apparently. They hadn't wasted their Christmas. Oh, that's... Uh, they all shouted Grond, Grond yes. as it came forward. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, they didn't head for the gates. They were trying to bash down a section of the wall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, however, all the fighting that was going on was actually a distraction. It was a distraction to hide the fact that a number of men had headed into one of the wide moats and then started to attempt to tunnel under the wall. Okay. Yeah. Now, they soon hit the foundations of the wall, and it became clear that the stone that was used was weak and sandy. So they were able to continue. They just kept hacking into this sandy stone. Sandstone. It could have been sandstone. Yeah. yeah. They managed to get a good way under this thick wall. The tunnel was propped up with wooden beams. I mean, this is full-on, very quick mine shaft kind of thing. Going <laughs> yeah. Yeah. However, it's a thick wall, and they knew that they weren't going to get all the way no. through. Uh, so after they'd tunneled a fair way into the wall, they then start passing through kindling. Once this half a tunnel was absolutely packed with uh, firewood, everyone left and set fire to it. Eventually, the wooden support beams start to burn. Oh. Yeah. And eventually the tunnel collapses, as did the wall above it and two towers. Wow. Yeah, this works perfectly. A fierce fight starts in the breach of the wall, uh, but the Romans won out, and soon they were pouring into the city. Leo the deacon says Nikephros quickly organised his men, and the city was taken relatively peacefully. Nice. Which is a lie. No. <laughs> <laughs> Leo the deacon makes it very clear that this was a very Christian invasion. Of course it was. Of course yes. it was. No one did anyone very awful at all. Absolutely not, yes. Yeah, the other sources, perhaps a little less biased, talk of three days of complete massacre, where people of all ages were killed ruthlessly. Those who were not killed were sold into slavery. The Christian way. <laughs> yes. Ho, yeah. ho, ho. Yeah. Merry Christmas, <laughs> slash. Lots of bread. Yeah, yes. Yeah, festive. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Ooh. So there you go. Nikephros had, in March 967, taken back Crete for the Empire. Yay. After losing it 136 years before. There you go, that's a bit of bit of the Empire back on the map. That's good, yeah. That's good. You can colour in. How long for? What, how long do they keep it? Yeah. Don't worry, that this is relatively solid for a little while. Okay. At least until January? We've got it for at least this episode. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you can imagine, after nearly a century and a half of being a pirate island, the capital of Crete had a vast amount of wealth in it. I mean, just imagine Candia. It is a pirate capital. So imagine any pirate capital from any film you've seen. Yeah. And now add on the fact that it's also now a Christmas fairyland because it's our Christmas special episode. Oh. This is a city to take. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they strip it. <laughs> they strip <Yeah>. it bare. <laughs> they do. Like the Grinch when he like vacuums out all the Christmas stuff from the houses. Yes, exactly. That sort of style. Yeah, um, and then he heads back home. Nikephros enters Constantinople to huge celebration, and Romanos holds a triumph for him. Oh. Sort of. I mean, we've got different uh, accounts. We've got one account that says they don't let him back in the city, but that's considered false. Oh. Um, it would appear he does go back in the city, but he isn't given a full triumph procession through the city. Instead, he's given uh, just the Hippodrome to celebrate okay. in. That's, uh, still, that's still good, though. It's still, it's still impressive. In fact, the Hippodrome apparently was 
absolutely packed with everything that Nykephros had taken off Crete. This is mountains of gold, silver, full sets of armour, purple carpets, spear shields, fabrics, gemstones. In fact, I quote here, The quantity was so great that it resembled an abundantly flowing river. Wow. So it just got paraded around. It was just this endless loop of riches. It's been a bugger to bring back, though. Oh, they had a lot of ships, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of men, and now also a lot of slaves. Yay! So, um, <laughs> yeah. Now, it's debatable, but perhaps it's this time that Romanos, remember him? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He decides how the military's going to work. He decides to split the armed forces into east and west, because historically that's always worked out well for the Roman Empire. Yeah. He's going to put a man in charge of both regions, and they're going to lead the armies in both regions. Makes sense. No problems here, yeah. In the west, he would place Leo Focus, mm. and in the east, Nikephoros Focus. So the two brothers would separately keep their borders safe. And uh, who knows? Maybe give a bit of a pushback. Yeah. If the time seems right. For now, however, Romanos ordered Nikephoros to go east and join up with his brother, who had just defeated Saif. It was time... For some Vrabenge. Yes. The plan was to go and gather their forces, cross the pass into Syria, and then march on Saif's capital itself, Ooh. the city of Aleppo. Quick history of Aleppo so we know where we're going. It's old. Mm. Very old. People have lived there for at least 7,000 years. It's the one that is on the news a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it's not doing too well at the moment. Um, there's been a lot of problems in Aleppo's uh, very, very long history. Mm. Um, yeah, Alexander the Great took it off the Persians in 333 BCE. Uh, and then, when his empire fell apart, Aleppo became a major city in the Seleucid Empire. Then, the city passed to the Armenian Empire under Tigranes the Great who then lost it to Pompey for mm. the Romans, who we will do an episode on in our, in our other series at some point. Uh, but yeah, in 64 BCE, Pompey gets it. And then the city was part of Rome uh, for quite a while. It wasn't quite as important as the larger and nearby Antioch, but it was still a major yeah, uh, yeah. city of the empire. Uh, and it stays in the empire until the Islamic conquests in the 600s, when... Uh, Heraclius fails to keep hold of it. Yeah. Syria, and therefore the city, fell to the caliphate. Then, as the Umayyads and then the Abbasids uh, took over, the city did well, growing in size and importance as Antioch diminishes. Uh, and then in 944, when Saif became the emir of the region, the city became the capital of this semi-independent emirate. The city hits its golden age. It is never, in all its 7,000 years, quite as important as it is right at this point. Mm. Trade and the arts flourish. Huge palaces are built. Um, it's starting to rival Baghdad. It's, wow. Yeah, this is the most important city in the region, apart from Constantinople yeah. and Baghdad. Hmm. Now, Kefros and his men cut through the region like a sword, cutting through one of those people in Candia, probably. Yeah. 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 John Timothy's is uh, helping out, by the way. Just just remember him. He's the important general who you boxed a couple of episodes yeah. ago. Just know he's around. And um, before his episode, I'll definitely make sure that I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Is he an emperor? I'm guessing Timothy's. Um, yeah, he's got a box. Uh, he's got a box. Okay. Just know he's around. Right. Yeah, we'll get to him. Anyway, it's not long before Nykephros and... Uh, Timothy's are in front of the city. They could not help but notice, just like Baghdad, there was the city, fairly well defended, 
Mm. But then if you just look slightly to the right, and that's where everyone did it, all the troops yeah. just looked. That's the sound of many people looking slightly to the right. Yeah. How do we create that sound? You have to imagine it. The sound of, like, armour turning slightly yeah. like a... Whoa! Yeah. Sort of. Just there was an immense palace. Ooh. Outside of the city walls. Oh. Yeah. Uh, just like in Baghdad, there wasn't enough room inside the city to build such a massive palace. So they threw caution to the wind, they did, and built it on the outside. That's a sign of confidence, isn't it? It's a sign of confidence. It is also, in retrospect, a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because the Roman forces rip this very impressive palace to pieces. The gilded tiles off the roof were taken, the silk curtains removed, the art on the walls taken out. I mean, almost literally, if it was not a support-bearing wall, it was it was gone. <laughs> okay. but, but forget not nailed down. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it was just ripped to shreds. Uh, the city itself did not hold up much resistance either, because Saif had fled once more. He decided not Wim. to stick around. Yeah, the Romans managed to enter the city and loot it for all it's worth. There were some forces held up in the citadel of the city, but Nikephros simply ignored this. We could try and take the citadel, but what's the point? Let's just loot the city and then go. So they do. And just like that, one of the most powerful emirates in the world at this time had fallen. By far, the empire's largest enemy at the time was defeated. Wow. Looking good. Nikephros ordered his men to start heading back to the capital. It was about this time he receives a letter telling him that Romanos was dead. Ah. Yep. Well, I, I enjoyed Nikephros' episode, I'll be honest. Oh, this isn't Nikephros' episode. Feels like it was. Next episode is Nikephros' oh. episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. This is the, the warm-up to Nikephros' <laughs> episode. It's a taster. Now, we've not talked much about Romanos, have we? That's because there's hardly any details. Uh, but there are some. And uh, just so I didn't break up the narrative too much, I've left it out. So let's go back to the start of Romanus's rule and actually look what he was doing whilst all the exciting stuff was going on, shall we? Right, you there? Yeah. Have you pictured Romanus? Kind of. What's what's he doing? Nothing, really. Maybe having a drink. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. He's having a drink. Drink of wine. That's what he's doing. He appoints a new Lord Chamberlain called Joseph. Remember him. He comes back into the story. But yeah, he lets him pretty much run the city. Um, And he goes back to living a fairly easy life. Just drinking, hunting, partying. If we can believe Leo the Deacon, he was largely a sensible young man, but had a weakness for a good time. (laughs) I quote, When he ascended the throne, he revealed himself as a reasonable and temperate man, and a benefactor of his subjects. But then certain depraved persons, who were slaves to their stomachs and to their sexual appetites, insinuated themselves into his favour and corrupted him. They destroyed the young man's noble character by exposing him to luxury and licentious pleasures, and whetting his appetite for unusual passions. Unusual? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bring in the goats! (laughs) Well... I mean, this is Leo the Deacon. We don't know how much of a prude he is. Yeah, uh, perhaps it With was... a woman! <laughs> well, perhaps it was one of these unusual passions that led to him and Theofano having another boy. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was named Constantine VIII. 
Ah. That's a nice name. Pop a box around him. Uh, and also a girl named Anna, and possibly another girl at some point. It gets a bit hazy. Uh, but there you go. That's something else that Romanos too was up to during his time on the throne. At one point, a plot to kill Romanos was uncovered. It would seem that some men still loyal to his father were horrified by Romanos being on the throne and wanted to do something about it. The plan was to capture the Emperor when he was at the races, and then put one of themselves on the throne. However, word leaked of the plot. And after a, a couple of torture sessions, <laughs> uh, the plot was fully uncovered. So on the day of the races when the plot was meant to have taken place, instead the men involved were publicly shamed in the Hippodrome, and then mulked. Oh. Which doesn't sound as bad as it could have been. No. No. I imagine the shaming was pretty brutal. Though. I'm probably getting hit guessing and dragged so, around yeah. on things. Now this isn't linked to any part of a narrative whatsoever, but I didn't know when to fit this in. And it's linked to the Hippodrome, so I'm just going to say it now because I needed to mention it. Because at this time, there was a man who wowed the crowd in the stadium, so let's say he was on after the public shaming, shall okay. we? His name was Philarius, if I'm pronouncing that right. And I'll quote here, He could ride round the track of the Hippodrome, standing upright on the saddle of a racehorse, running at full speed, bearing in his hands a sword, which he would turn like a windmill, without the least declining from his upright position. Which is just cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So they've got that to watch. Yeah. So Romanos was watching that. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Whilst Nykephros and Leo Focus were expanding the empire. Yeah. Uh, anyway, one day Romanos went out hunting. A group of his friends took him out to hunt deer, apparently. Riding through different mountain terrain. When they returned, they brought back the Emperor in a grievous condition, breathing his last. <gasps> yeah, it's not really clear what happens. Uh, okay. Some say he was simply exhausted and uh, he was ill and the hunt killed him off. <laughs> Some say uh, that perhaps he'd been poisoned on the hunting trip. And blamed, guess who? Oh, uh, Theophano. Oh, yes, yeah. It's all yeah. Theophano's fault. She's poisoning more people. Of course, yeah. Uh, I mean, these are the same people who blame her for the death of Romanus's father. Yeah. It seems very unlikely, though. Why on earth would she get rid of her husband? It was only going to put her two sons in a lot of danger. And apparently yeah. she had literally just given birth two days before this happened. Yes, um, no. So, I mean, it's unlikely. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, there you go. Romanos suddenly dies. Okay. So whether it was poison or not, we don't really know. But that's it. He's just suddenly gone. Prime of his life. Dead. Fair enough. So that's Romanos too. Right. We now have a little child, Basil II, and an even littler child, Constantine VIII. Interesting. And we've also got Nikephros box and that Thomas Timothy's. Yeah, what we've got now is Theophano... Looking at her two small children, going, oh dear, because we've got three very good generals out on the field, and any one of them could claim the throne. I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> I kind of gave it away. <laughs> uh, but ju just know things are going to get tense, potentially. We'll see, though. Right, before that happens, though, we need to rate mm. Romanos too. Fightius Maximus. Well, fighty in terms of empire, fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Expanded the empire, got yep. Crete back, fighting the caliphate, kicking its ass, took Aleppo. Yeah. Minted now. This is some of the best we have seen in a very long time. Personally, not involved. Nothing to do with it. No. Not a fighter, more a partier. Like Augustus. Yeah. 
Uh, but, I mean, there's no way he's not getting points for taking Creep back it's after 136 yeah. and sacking Aleppo, getting yeah. rid of Scythe. His his name was literally Sword of Destiny. I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's all under his name. It is under his name. I, I, I think a healthy six. Um, I, I might even go to seven because... I will match that. That's expanding the empire. And the only reason why I'm not going higher is because the generals who are doing it are coming up and they will have their own episodes, <laughs> so I know I'm going to be ditching Episodes. Sip, Tim C's, remember, is uh, oh, boxed as well. Of course not Leo. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm not giving any more away. Okay. Not. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, these are the greatest victories the Empire have had in a very long time. 14, then. 14. That's not bad. For a terrible Emperor, yes. <laughs> 14 points for staying at home and partying. We wouldn't get that. No, there, there are probably Emperors who spent their entire life on the battlefield <laughs> who we have given fewer points to. <laughs> yes. Who are probably literally spinning in their graves. Yes. Literally. Anyway, well done, Romanos. Yeah. Next. Caprovium Crazium. Okay, he's, he's failing in this round, though. Flatlined Unfortunately, a bit. There's, there's nothing... Uh, he I liked mean, a party, but there were no great stories about his parties. He did none all his sisters and exile his mother to a dusty part of the palace. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. And there's a, a potential that he killed his own father. And there is obviously, about to get to it, Sorry. the rumours. Um, yes. But how much can... I mean, I, I just don't... The, the rumours that Romanos killed his own father seems to be more so then Theofano can get the blame. Yes. Because it was actually her whispering in Romanos's ear, according to that rumour. And the rumour that Theofano then kills Romanos just seems nonsense. Why would she do that? She is literally the Augusta. She is wife to the Emperor. She is mother to the heirs. Yeah. But they are too young to rule right now. Why would she risk it? It makes no sense whatsoever. No. So I think we can discount that rumour. It's so ridiculous. If that rumour's gone, did she really try and kill no. Constantine? Of course not. People get ill. I mean, yeah, I'm just not believing it. No. It's weak. I, I think maybe I'll give him a point for the rumour. Hmm. And hunting's a dangerous thing. I mean, Henry VIII was severely injured when out hunting. It damaged his leg, which affects him for the rest of his life, and potentially killed him. Yeah, no, so, that is true. You, know. I mean, you could get a, a deer caught in your belt. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and be ridden around for six hours. <laughs> so it's, oh. That's his own grandfather, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. That's Great-grandfather. Great-grandfather. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I'm going to give one point for the rumour that he killed his own father, but only one because I don't think it happens, and I'm going to give another point for the fact that he... Nunned the rest of his family. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, the two but, marks. Yeah, that's now. all I can give him. It's not great. I will also match that because I agree. Fair enough. Success, Ultimus. Okay, I, this is also a tricky one. He expanded the empire. He made the empire richer. He gained wealth for the empire. Yes. Mm. He expands the empire. Also worth some points. The empire is also now entering. Well, pretty much fully in what is known as the golden age of Byzantium. Oh, really? Yeah. Is this when the mosaics start popping out a bit more? The arts are taking off. Education has taken off. If you remember, it was a good few episodes ago now, but um, the university had been rebuilt, and that's really kicking in now because we're a couple of generations on. And you remember the new buildings have been built, the Nears yeah. now completed. Uh, the, Constantinople's looking good. There are people in Constantinople who are uh, creating philosophies and artwork. Um, people's lives generally seem to be improving. And 
the Caliphate's going downhill. Mm. Remember, they were in their golden age, so it mm. always looks good when you're doing better than your neighbours. So it's great, but I mean, did he really contribute to that? He, he partied for a few years and then died. Does, can he really get much credit for how well the Empire's doing? You could argue, though, if he was doing badly, it would have declined, and it didn't. It's still getting better, which means yeah. he either left it alone, yeah. or he did something to encourage that. I think you can infer that. I mean, you really get the feeling he got bloody lucky. Oh, yeah. He's got a couple of genuinely <laughs> yes. good generals yeah. who could just go off and actually get on with things. I, I, th- I, think, I, I think a six. I'm not going that high. He's okay, because he, he would advise better. I think he'd actively have to do something, though. I'm going to go and go for four. Four? Yeah. I'll bring one down to five. I'm not going to lower than that. So I was thinking five, but I did four to counteract your six. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sticking on four. Sticking on four. Okay. So total of nine. Which is a shame. I feel like he should get more, but that's just... If he'd lived longer, or if there was more detail, but... Yeah. The trouble is, uh, Nykephros was too interesting, and all the sources wrote about him instead. Yeah. Anyway, nine. Next round. Image of Well, if you remember, his father looked like a really cool pirate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The carving, yeah. The carving. Yeah, he doesn't get a carving. Oh. It doesn't really get much of a coin. I mean, the best coin I could find was one when he was ruling with his father still. So right. it's got Constantine the pirate on it, not looking much like a pirate. Uh, and then he's next to him, looking half melted. So here you go. He's okay. the one on the right. Oh, oh, oh. The coin has not aged well. It really hasn't. Gosh, he has melted. God, it's like eyes, eyes have melted into his cheeks. His nose just dripped down to his mouth. It's not great, is that's, it? That's not a flattering picture at all. Can we give half marks? We set a precedent on a very early uh, episode true, that yeah. we weren't going to, but I mean, if you want to break on episode one to eight. <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, one. Tell you what, were you going to give him half a mark? No, I was. Oh, you. Because <laughs> we, we can compromise here. I'm Go willing on. to do that. So, what were you going to give him? Well, I didn't know between zero or one. So you were just going to give him a half mark. Right, so if you go for one, I go for zero. Perfect, there we go. There we go. One. And we divide that by four? Yeah. 0.25. Temple completed. How long do you think he lasts? I think 20 years, that sort of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Oh, my God, were you being serious there? No, I, I was doing anything like, you obviously <laughs> lasted, you didn't just do anything for like 20 years, but I'm guessing, okay, okay a couple of years. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I'm not counting the time when uh, Constantine Seven was in charge and he was yeah. technically co-emperor. Well, that's what I was thinking. Doing... Of course you were. Yeah. No, um, he was uh, <laughs> he was sole emperor, because we're so consistent with this. Yeah. Uh, he was sole emperor for 959 to 963. Four, Four years. years. So that is 0.5 for completo. Okay. So that's his final score. 23... 23.75. Not bad for only a four-year ruler. No. But uh, not great. Not wonderful. Um, Gene César? Do they have a certain Gene César? Oh, absolutely not. No, no. I mean, if only we could uh, judge the, the general who's winning all the, these wars. Oh, yeah. If only he had an episode. If um, only. If only. Um, so that'll be interesting next week. I think you summed it up brilliantly. A few minutes ago, when he said he was lucky, like the time he was living, and he was lucky as hell. Oh yeah, yeah, he really was. Yeah. Uh, there are far better emperors who worked far harder who have got a lower score than him. Yeah, but there you go. That's the way the cookie crumbles occasionally. It is. Uh, it is. But it is a definite no for Genesis. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. But it's exciting, because we now have Basil II Ooh. is the Emperor. But we're not going to do him next, are we? No, because obviously he's a small child. Yes. Uh, I didn't haven't put it in my notes off the top of my head. I think he's about six. Um, so, yeah. So he's tiny. Constantine eight is about three. And you've got three prominent generals and a powerful uh, Lord Chamberlain. Remember Joseph, who I mentioned? Yep. So you've oh. got four powerful figures who could try and take the throne. And then, of course, you've got Theofano in the mix as well. So, uh, yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be good. Right. So there you go. That's this episode. However, because it's our Christmas special episode, we just thought we'd share a couple of comments that you guys have written into us and answer a couple of questions. Yeah. So, that's... everyone kick back. It's a bit more relaxed now. Yeah. Everyone just... Uh, Grab a beer. Yeah. Grab or... a Christmas drink. Grab a sherry or a mulled wine. Ooh. Or... Oh, you cheeky. Or a whiskey. Several whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. And uh, we'll, we'll just share a couple of comments. So, uh, listener Michelle has asked perhaps we could do a reenactment of the Jeffy Anus family at Saturnalia. Which uh, we yeah. definitely will do over the Christmas period, but not not we won't record it. It's that's personal, personal to us. It is. It is deeply. Yeah. Although deeply. fans of Jeff will be pleased to know that we have a couple of uh, official Jeff historians. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. Um, who I, I'm not going to share too much information for now, but just know. We've got a couple of dedicated listeners, and we will be sharing them in more detail when they feel like they're a bit more ready. It's uh, so but good. I've, we've 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 seen a couple of little <laughs> yeah. things, and wow, we are just blown away at yeah. how amazing it is. But we, so I really just wanted to share everything I saw straight away. It's like, no, no, be patient. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's so it. good. So yeah, that that at some point, look forward to that. Um, and I, I've always wanted to. Have a podcast where there are official Jeff Storians involved. I think it yeah. adds an air of uh, an air of validity. I yeah, think. I think so, definitely. To tell us ranking meetup soon, Backus Lounge or somewhere in Coventry. Oh yeah, we did say we were going to do a meetup at some point, didn't we? Yeah, we could do the Backus Lounge, and that makes a lot more sense in Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham is uh, easier to get to and central for people. Mm. Uh, if, if enough people want to do a meetup, then yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it on. Over the Christmas period, uh, we'll put it on uh, Facebook. Yeah. And, yeah, if you think you genuinely could come along, uh, yeah. Meet Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Rocky along. Yeah. Yeah. And History Cat. That'll be good. Right, okay. Karen Whitehead has asked, did I have any knowledge of Byzantium before starting the podcast, and if so, what? No. No, none at all. So much so that I was... I almost didn't suggest that we carry on into the east because I, I knew I knew like the west at least I thought I did until I started <laughs> researching I'd listened to Mike Duncan's history of Rome yep. I had watched lots of documentaries I'd read various books uh, I had a vague idea. When doing the research, I realised that actually I knew next to nothing, but it was fine. I had a comfortable idea where we were going. Uh, season two, oh, it's still a journey for me. I purposely have not gone ahead too far in my research, uh, because I don't want to know how it all ends. I just have these vague ideas of where I'm going. I really feel like this season is me finding out a few days before you. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's great. It's uh, exciting that way. And the fact that I'm able to do this 
has made me more confident that I'd be able to research the Holy Roman Empire because yeah. I haven't got a clue about that. That seems even more scary. So much so that I'm still not fully committed to doing that. Really? We might do something else. I don't Sorry. know. Uh, but yeah, so, no. I, 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 I didn't, didn't even know, know there were Romans. Like, so I'd heard of them. I just thought they were... Well, as in Byzantium. Yeah, I didn't... Yeah. I, I, knew, said, no, I, knew, I knew that. Uh, no. <laughs> but not much more than that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, how will you judge the fame of the emperors for the final... Did we do that with the Western emperors? Did we look at how... The impact on history, didn't we? Oh, did we use the rounds from the uh, Roman Republic series? I think we did, didn't we? Yes. So we we did And that'll be tricky because... That will be tricky because there's not many of them that are well known. We might need to rethink that slightly. How it impacts history, I guess. Because if you remember, the final for series one was uh, in the Colosseum. And we're not in the Colosseum this time. No. So new rules apply. They're on their chariots going around the Hippodrome. So, oh, oh, like Ben Hurst style. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be slightly different anyway, so that's fine. I've got a few here for a North Landersman. North Landersman. That's the one. <laughs> uh, election thoughts. Oh. British or American? Uh, either way. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we, we've not even talked about election night. No, we we've not yet. seen each no. other since because I think it pains us too much. No, but... When you think back to it, not that surprising. Oh, no, it wasn't in any way surprised. Um, we knew it was coming. Uh, I think it was surprising the, how much of a, I won't call it a landslide, but how much of a, an annihilation it was. But when when you think back to the different strategies of the different parties, you kind yeah. Yeah. Um, they brought it on themselves. Without trying to get too political, all I'm going to say is the politics in this country at the moment is a shambles. And is genuinely worrying. Uh, And in America, you get the feeling there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And uh, at the moment, it just seems very dark. It does, yeah. It does. Because I genuinely can't see a way out. No. But still. (laughs) Hello. Christmas season. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Another question from him. Um, Who would win in a fistfight between all emperors and presidents? Oh. Emperors. Oh, oh! Is he talking about emperors v presidents, or yeah, I think everyone in in the Colosseum battle royal, and just yeah. who wins, which Ooh. one, which individual? I think let's take it on both angles. Then let's say presidents, all presidents versus all emperors. There are more emperors, so, so and they're all pretty. Most of them were fighters, so. Uh, there were more fighters, definitely. I mean, yeah. not all of them. Vitellius isn't going to do too well. Um, Although, with like people like Obama or God Trump, they do have nuclear weapons. <laughs> they do, but they've only got a knife. Okay. That's what they've all got. I've just decided. Okay, the rules. Fair it's enough. a knife fight. In that case, the Romans would dominate. But if it's just all on everyone, um, don't forget. I mean, Lincoln's got reach, and he's he's strong. Oh, uh, and exact. we've not done him yet, so you won't understand why this is so true. But Teddy Roosevelt's there. Really? It would not surprise me if he won. What, against Caracalla? Yeah. He has a lion. Really? <laughs> You're going to like that episode, Jamie. Okay, okay. You're going to like All right. it. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds good. Um, uh, but I don't know. I, I'm going to say it's going to be uh, someone you don't expect, Florianus. Florianus. Yeah. Okay, no, I'd go with that. Just because everyone's forgotten he's there and he's just sat down, everyone thinks he's a member of the uh, the crowd. I like that. I like yeah, that. no, that yeah, that work. That work. That okay. Was. Right. A couple of people have asked what's going to happen 
after the Fourth Crusade. Um, because there's a while, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a, a period of time where the Empire is absolutely shattered. And it okay. splits into uh, four, arguably five parts. Uh, and right. there is an official continuation, but there are also other claimants, and it gets very messy. I genuinely don't know how I'm doing it yet. I don't feel like I know enough about the period uh, to make a, a call right now. Uh, what do you guys think? There are definitely listeners out there who know more about this than I do at the moment. Mm. How should we cover the period of time where everything gets cracked apart? Uh, should we just follow the official line, or should we do follow all different threads and just have a bit of a crazy jump around for a bit? I have a thought on that, but I'll, I'll leave that for a bit and see what other listeners all right, think. All right. The year is 2026, and you've finished the presidents and emperors. It's now Jamie's turn to pick the next topic, hmm. and he has to do all the Rob work, while Rob does the Jamie work for the whole season. So, nothing. I, I'm liking this, yeah. 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 Uh, what topic does Jamie pick to teach us about? Then in brackets, not Star Trek, though. Ooh. If I choose history, yeah. I think there's some interesting to like scientists, like the lives of certain scientists. Oh, Total's ranking scientists. That, That'd be that's really interesting. That came out of nowhere. I'd really look. I, I, I find science very interesting, and their lives very interesting as well. So that'd be quite. That's what I might go that'd for. That'd be quite cool. Like, yeah. like Einstein v Newton versus Edison and whoever. Yeah, Kelvin. I've, I've ran out of scientists. Name. This is not my thing. You, you could you could go on forever. <laughs> but yeah, that, that that's what I'd like to do. Like nice. prominent. I like it. Who would win? Academics. I don't know. We haven't ranked them yet. That's a good point. That's a very good <laughs> point. Uh, Morgan McCreary is uh, asking, is there any chance that we're going to go back and touch base with other big leaders that we've mentioned in the past? For example, uh, looking at some of the caliphate rulers, some of the Bulgar kings. And I'm guessing going back even further, you could look into the Goths and all sorts. Um no. <laughs> Which I say with a heavy heart, with so many interesting characters that we have covered, but I can't see any time soon, because there's just too much history. It's another can of worms, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, how do you do one or two uh, caliphs if you're not going to do the entire Umayyads and then all the Abbasids and then all of the Ottomans? And you're a bit of a completionist as well. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know who may, who knows. Maybe one day if we run out of Roman Republicans, we could start just doing interesting Romans who were not emperors or just an enemies of Rome yeah. one-offs. But yeah, that that would be far in the future. It's certainly not something we've got no. planned. It's a very good suggestion, though. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Can you make oh Rob Finch? Can you make any pairing suggestions for whiskies and Roman emperors? I'm thinking Nero's might be quite smoky. <laughs> Love it. Uh, oh, off the top of my head, we didn't plan this. Uh, in well, obviously no. we did because I sent the um, Facebook message out about a week ago, but then I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not prepare. I should have done for this one. Um, Augustus Glenfiddich, like a good strong, good solid. Not the most interesting, not the best, uh, but most famous and most popular. Uh, that's in this country. If you're in America, you probably don't realise that about Glenfiddich. But Glenfiddich is is the what? It's the whiskey that people buy if they know you like good whiskey, and they're <laughs> buying a present for you. Yeah. You get a Glenfiddich, and there's nothing wrong with a Glenfiddich. A Glenfiddich is a good whiskey. But or Glenmorangie. 
Glimmerangie's also there as well. Yeah. But I mean, they're they're not the best. No. Uh, but they are they're popular. Yeah, they, I suppose yeah. Johnny Walker would work if you're in America. It's yeah. that kind of whiskey. Black label. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there you go. I did yeah. one. Your turn. Oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> um, Elegabalus Green Spot Fruity Flowery Smooth Smooth. <laughs> yeah. Goes down. Goes <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. Uh, so, anything else? Um, so, yeah, last uh, last thing I'll say is a, a huge thank you to listener Philip Bins, who has uh, been in contact recently and just been very helpful with his knowledge of the uh, period. We're just entering a period of time he knows very well. And, uh, yeah, he's he's helpfully shared some of his, his information, some of his notes that he made uh, when he was at university. I'm oh. assuming when he was at university. Or maybe he just did it as a hobby, I don't know. Um, but yes, no, so thank you to Philip. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners who support us and have supported us from, from an early age. Thank you to the likes of Scott Rowland uh, and his Roman history group, Roman and Byzantine history group. Did I get that right, right way around? I always get it wrong. Yes, yeah, like that. Thank you to Al J. Trafford, who uh, has an amazing series of books. Yes. Uh, they're, they're wonderful. Go and read them. I might reread them, actually, at some point soon, because they are fantastic. Uh, and she's also got a short story out called The Wine Boy. Uh, I've not read that one, actually. Uh, no, not yet. No, but I will do. So, yeah. Christmas tree. Go and read her books. Uh, they are fantastic. Very good. All about what it would be like to be a slave during the uh, Year of the Four Emperors. Horrible, I imagine. Yeah, horrible is pretty horrible, much the horrible. conclusion that is, is. But I mean, it's it's not a depressing read. It's it's really fun. There are many light-hearted parts, and then just something awful happens. Yeah. You go on. God, it must have been awful this to be alive horrible. at this time. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to all people that messaged us, like uh, Eric Dean as well, Clint Godfrey, Rob Carabelli, Christopher Fitch, Spencer, um, Abigail uh, Petter. Oh, there's a guy called Ace that messaged us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amy Schnorder, Schneider. Amy Schnorder, yeah, yeah. Uh, memory off the top of my head. Andrew Johnson, one of the presidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cameron Brown, Lucy Hines, Mark Summers, Scott oh. Bollahan, Michelle Wood, Eric Webster, Sheena Nichols. Yeah. Truth. <laughs> As a lot of you, we will have definitely forgotten some of you, but all of you who regularly get in contact. Happy Christmas if you are celebrating Christmas. And if you're not, then just have a nice winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Enjoy the time off. But thank you. Don't forget to download us on Facebook. Nope. Don't forget you can download us on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher. And thank you for following us on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. And until our next non-festive episode. We, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Perforous, great landing, really, really good. Like of all the landings I've ever seen, that's been the best. We have invaded them all in the face. Still <laughs> us? Yes. Are you drunk? No, no, no. Just a few celebrationary brandies. 
Right, because I made it very clear at the start of the invasion, no drinking. Huh? No, no drinking, Pestilus. I have not drink... Where, where did you even get the drink from? The six bottles of brandy. Well, yes, yes, apparently. Jeff, he did... He, I, he brought them along. First of all, why did Jeff bring brandy? And secondly, why did we bring a Jeff? One, I ordered him to. And two, he he was already here, sir. Already here? Yep. His, his family have been here for like 136 years from when we last invaded. They've been stuck, stuck here the entire time. Holding those bottles of brandy on the beach. Passed down, father to son... Father to son, to this very moment, sir, to this very... What was the question? Oh, never mind. You have orders for me, sir. Right, well, oh, look, all you need to do is go and... We, we need to, to forage for supplies, we need to get Ooh. food, we need to get fed. Food? Yes, now, all, that's all you need to do. Great don't, idea. Just don't get drunk, don't let your men get drunk. Just take some <laughs> sober men with you and go and forage for supplies. Just get food. Food, yes. Get food. Right, lads, who's up for a kebab? Yeah, why not? Let's press record first. That'll be good. You'd make a good center, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. Cheers. Why? Appearance only. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Your attitude, however. <laughs> <laughs> very, un, very un-Christmassy. Far too vindictive. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars in two days. Is it? New Star Wars. I've not seen the last one yet. Haven't you? No, I've seen a lot of people talk about how it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, but most of those seem, people seem to be... Horrible individuals themselves. So. <laughs> Weird that. Yeah, I, I just. Yeah. It's a film. I've not got around to seeing it. Wasn't as good as the first one, but it was okay. I oh, see, that's a shame because the first one was really a case of, well, that wasn't bad, but it was <laughs> just a remake of A New Hope. So yeah, yeah. hopefully they get better from here, did they not? Have hopes for this one, though. Yeah. Has it got Baby Yoda in it? No, that's Mandalorian. TV, that's a TV show on the Disney Channel that apparently is doing really well. The new Star Wars film doesn't have Baby Yoda in it. That was literally the only thing I knew about it. No, and it no. turns out not to be true. No, it's a TV show. Oh, I'm such a bad Star Wars fan. I could almost say I'm not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this all goes on at the end. Oh, yeah, the entire thing. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Shall we... Uh, Let's okay. do it. Let's Romanos do 2. Romanos 2. <clears throat>